You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan hockey has a new coach as Mel Pearson was let go after a long investigation into his program. We discuss how it all went down. Plus, fall practices have begun on the football field. We tackle a few key questions as the season approaches. That and more coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Okay, guys, good to be back with you here on Tuesday, late morning, August 9th. Uh, you know, there's, there's an expression, and it is often used uh, for sports, you know, for new coaches. You know that the honeymoon is over, and Aaron, for you, it's literally true. Uh, and and my vacation is over. Zook never left, but nonetheless, the the gang is back together. Yeah, I was telling you guys before we went on the air, but it felt like for the first time, I'm a workaholic. Like I'm always checking my phone and email and everything else. But like last week, for the first time in probably like four or five years, it felt like I was like out of commission. It was actually kind of nice. Like I, I would see stuff pop up on my phone every now and then, but didn't have my work phone. Wasn't checking email. Was behind on the news. Um, it was, it was actually kind of, it was, it was literally on Island time. It was kind of nice. What was the, what was the highlight of the honeymoon? Whoa. Uh, um, <laughs> I'll keep, I'll keep it PG probably, uh, kissing the uh, stingray. So we went to the Cayman islands and they're pretty well known for their, their, you know, wild you know water stuff water um animals whatever you want to call them marine life and uh so we saw a lot it's a lot of turtles and things but but stingrays are a big thing there and i, I know everyone thinks of steve Irwin dying and all that stuff but they're actually pretty friendly and one of their top like um tourist attractions is the sandbar where you dock and you walk out in the water and there's just stingrays swimming all around you and these tour guys bring food to feed them and stuff. So they're, they're pretty friendly, but they swim all around you and you can pet them and hold them and everything else. And I actually, they let me kiss one. It was, you know, they joked it was for seven years. Good luck. But it was, it was an experience, you know, that they, they obviously you don't want to step on them. That's when they get defensive and that's when the stinger comes out. But no, it was, a, that was probably the, the highlight. So he does mention PDA, but with a, with a fish. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. So there you go. Uh, well, as, as we said, we, there is a lot to talk about. Uh, Mel Pearson is out as Michigan's hockey coach. Something that, you know, we, we did predict uh, like months ago on this podcast, but I, I think we need to discuss the timeline first and foremost. So M live specifically uh, new father, Sam Dodge uh, broke the story in January that the hockey program and Pearson were under investigation. And that was based on a letter sent by the firm performing the investigation the previous October. Okay. And, and we then obtained the actual report and published that on August 2nd. Even then Pearson not relieved of his duties until August 5th. Uh, Azuk, we can start with you. Like what went on here? What was going on? This report was out just because we didn't get to it. You know, when we did, like there was still the university presumably had it before then, why was Ward Manuel dragging his feet on this? Yeah, that's that's a good question. We have not really heard from Ward here, and 
But yeah, like, I mean, this all spurred from, from volunteer assistant Steve Shields filing a complaint to Michigan's Equity, Civil Rights, and Title IX office. And yeah, I mean, the, the allegations were were pretty severe. I mean, it, it included Pearson instructing students to lie on their COVID-19 tracing forms ahead of the 2021 NCAA tournament opener, which they had to forfeit because of a positive COVID-19 test. Pearson and Director of Hockey Operations, Rick Bancroft, who actually retired from U of M in June, who we thought was going to be the fall guy for, for this whole report. They were accused of discriminating against female staffers and creating a toxic work environment for female support staff. And Pearson retaliating against a student athlete for raising concerns about the hockey team's culture. And in, in this report, it was, it was mainly that um, former goalie Strauss Mann was identified. And yeah, and then Bancroft knowing about sexual misconduct committed by the late UM athletic doctor Robert Anderson. So some pretty serious allegations here. And although the investigation, which was conducted by Wilmer Hale, like you said, states that Pearson did not violate the university's policy on sexual and gender-based misconduct, it did express a lot of concerns regarding the program and recommended the university investigate further, which they never really did. I mean, it, yeah, like this Wilma Harrell report was done in May and nothing really happened until this was, it was, this report was leaked. And the report basically said they recommended the university continue to look into the mistreatment of female staff members, Pearson's inability or unwillingness to hold Bancroft accountable for his conduct. Um, and pervasive fears among both student athletes and staff members of retaliation by Pearson for raising issues. And they found that Pearson lied uh, throughout this investigation. And, and it was proven when uh, Shields recorded a conversation that, that Pearson denied happened and he showed him the recording. So obviously a lot, lot to digest throughout this conversation. Not a good look for, for Pearson, Ward Manuel, or their university. But I mean, we 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 knew when the report was done in May, and we kind of knew some of the stuff was in it. But obviously, we couldn't report on it because we didn't actually have all of the findings with us and didn't have the report in front of us. So it, we knew it was pretty damning. But before it got released, and when uh, Sam and I went to the Board of Regents meeting in June, me and the, and the Detroit News reporter uh, approached Ward Manuel and, and asked him, like, "What's the deal?" And he said they were working through a process, but he anticipated Pearson being the head coach next season. And at that time, Manuel knew what was in the report. And of course, then it finally gets released. And then uh, there was a lot of public backlash and they finally made the move three days after the, the report was released and, and named uh, assistant coach Brandon Dorado, um, a 37-year-old who just joined the staff prior to last season as the interim head coach for this upcoming season. Let me just allow, I'll clear through the clutter here and just break down what Ryan just said. Ward Manuel wanted Mel Pearson back as coach this year. When the report came out and became public, the, the public backlash and criticism became too much. And you saw, I think it was a John U. Bacon was reporting that the U of M Board of Regents and interim president Mary Sue Coleman wanted Mel, or wanted Mel out. And at the end of the day, that's what mattered after the criticism and everything else. They won, and it's a bad look for Ward. Uh, you know, if in fact he knew what was in that report, and it sure sounds like it. There's no reason why he shouldn't have known what was in that report. You know, something should have been done. But it's clear. I mean, you can throw the COVID stuff out. That's whatever. But like the sexual harassment and discrimination and retaliation. I mean, it just it creates a bad culture. And you know, is it worth having a coach with all that baggage, and everything going on there? You know, leading the program. I don't know. So it's it's a messy situation. It was it was handled poorly. 
whether you, whether it was the administration, whether it was you know whether it was you know ward whatever whoever it was handled poorly. Just another example: the university dragging their feet with stuff, and you know it's it's become a pattern, obviously here here at Michigan. And, and even when, when Strauss man announced that he was leaving before senior year to turn pro, um, actually when he when he announced he was leaving, he didn't even have a pro contract, and I know that raised a lot of eyebrows throughout the hockey community. I mean, this guy was an All American. Uh, coming off two of the best goalie seasons in, in program history, um, was the team captain the previous year. So it's like, huh, he's not, he wasn't a draft pick. So no NHL teams had his right. So for him to leave without having a, a pro job lined up, it, it definitely raised some eyebrows. And, and now th- after reading through the report, we kind of understand why that, I mean, he alleges that um, he feared that that Pearson would affect his, his pro career if he spoke out against the the culture and issues that were going on. So you don't want that in, in your program. And it, it, it makes future athletes and current athletes maybe afraid to speak up when, when things are, are going on inside the program. So, and I, and I love how at, during the, the firing announcement or the press release, I mean, Ward comes out and says in a statement that the student athletes have a positive and meaningful experiences of paramount importance and a clear expectation within our department is that all employees and staff are valued and supported. So, yeah, I mean, that's, it's kind of funny that he said that after, after what we knew went on, but um, yeah, now mission needs to to move on quickly because their season starts in less than two months. That's the thing. So, you know, they have a game, they have an exhibition game October 1st. And I have to imagine that factored into the decision they went with ultimately to go with an interim coach, someone who was on staff, Brandon Narado, like you said, coming off his first season on staff. He was previously with the Red Wings. Um, in a player development consultant role. Uh, he is a former Wolverine played four years, 2006 to 2009, you know, so young, uh, relatively speaking, and but inexperienced. It's, uh, I mean, Ryan, is your sense that the, the thought was this late in the game, it'd be hard to get, um, you know, the, the guy you eventually maybe want to replace uh, Pearson. So instead, go with uh, Narado and, you know, see how it, uh, you know, goes from there you know, on the interim basis. Yeah, no, it, uh, it, it would be tough to, um, to find someone else like a, a legitimate candidate out, outside of, of the program at this point. And I, I thought, I mean, Bill McCall, who's been with the program since, since Pearson was hired could be a logical candidate too, because he has a lot more experience, but he also was, was mentioned in the report a lot and, and was around during, uh, some of these, uh, accusations and allegations. So Narado didn't show up or didn't join the staff until last year. So he didn't have any interactions with Strauss man. Um, he wasn't around during the COVID season. So maybe a, a little bit of a, a, a cleaner choice here. And I mean, from what I've heard from, from people in the hockey community and talking to players last year, they really respect Narado. He's got a bright hockey mind. Yeah, he's only has has one year of behind the bench experience, which is a little bit of a risk to, to name him as the interim head coach. But I mean, what's the worst that can happen if they have a, a poor season this year? I mean, then you can can look externally and, and find someone else to lead the program. So not really surprised at all they went in this direction um, because it is this late in the game and it would be tough to go outside and, and do another coaching search. Um, with, with, I mean, your recruits are already signed. You, you, you need, you need to start implementing. If, if a new coach took over, that's tough to implement new systems in such a short amount of time too. So um, yeah, and not, not really a big surprise, but it will be interesting to see how, how Michigan does here with Narado as the, as the interim coach. He's got an opportunity of a lifetime. Like you said, there's not much you can lose here. I mean, maybe he keeps things together and they have a decent year and 
you know, he gets a, he gets an extension or whatever, but it's it, a weird situation and the, the timing obviously doesn't help. So I, I think it was probably best to go interim just to keep things stable. And then you could kind of, you know, look out, out outside the, outside the box next year if need be. But yeah, it's a weird, weird situation, but you know, like, like I said, a lot opportunity lifetime for him. And, and McCall is, is remaining on staff too. So, I mean, he, he's got a lot of experience, so he'll, I'm sure they'll handle a lot of duties this year together and um, he'll still have a major role within the program. So he had, he has a, a nice little sound, has a nice little sounding board to, to bounce things off of as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, it's uh, with those two guys remain on staff and I don't, I don't see too much uh, transition in the program this year. It should be pretty status quo. Okay. Uh, football is now entering its second week of, you know, what they call fall practice leading up to the season opener, September 3rd uh, against Colorado state. You know, what, what do we know about what's going on in practice, which all comes from, uh, you know, gets filtered through those who are actually there. Yeah, I'm laughing because we obviously can't see anything. We haven't been we haven't been able to see anything since Jim Harbaugh got here. Um, so we've got to kind of go off what the, the at this point the coaches are saying. We haven't spoken to any players yet. We're supposed we're set to do that tonight for the first time. Um, but not a ton of new stuff. You know, Jim Harbaugh did go on the in the trenches podcast this week. Uh, he was asked about the first week of practice. He he thinks that they're further ahead this time compared to last year which is kind of to be expected when you're running the same defense and and you kind of got a new offense, you know, you got familiar faces back on the offensive you know, coaching staff. Uh, you would, you would hope that they would be further ahead and they are, uh, he, he thinks they are, which is probably a good thing. Um, Jim has said, he thinks the defense could be better than last year. I, I we'll, we'll see about that. Um, but you know, the quarterback, he had some interesting comments about the quarterback battle. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about that the last few weeks, you know, Cade Mack and J.J. McCarthy and everything else. But Jim said that historically he finds that the person that wins the starting job tends to separate himself from the first eight, nine, ten practices. So, and that's, you know, the end of week two. We're, we're starting week two right now. I think they've wrapped up five now. I think they start six, I think, today or tomorrow. Um, so I, I think by the end of the week, now, you know, they, it could drag longer. And Jim acknowledged that, you know, he's had quarterback battles go longer, go up until, heck, the first game of the year, as we saw with the Wilton Spate and John O'Corn back in, back in 17, 18. So, um, you know, never say never. Uh, but if, if Cade McNamara is to separate himself, I, I think it's got to happen this week. Otherwise, the, the longer it drags out to me, that tells me the more they're thinking they might roll J.J. McCarthy. Uh, all that being said, I'm still... I still think Cade's going to be the guy of week one. I mean, he's, he's got the long, he's got the, you know, tenure. Uh, he, you know, he's, he had the spring JJ still, I think bouncing back from his shoulder. Um, so a lot going on there. Um, the offensive line's pretty much been settled. I, I think there were some question marks about right tackle with Trent A. Jones and Carson Barnhart. Um, Sharon Moore said on Sunday that uh, Trent A has a starting job. In fact, exited spring practice as a starter and began it. And I guess he had a good first week. So I think that's been settled. Um, but probably going to use Carson Barnhart kind of more as a you know a backup and or six lineman, which is probably a good thing for depth. I think they're really happy there. Um, other than that, not a ton of new stuff. Nothing, no clarity in the offensive system. I guess uh, you know as we knew, Matt Weiss and Sheryl Morgan play call plays together. Um, you know, but we don't really know much about identity just yet. It sounds like they they want to kind of replicate what they did last year. You know, up front. But at the same token, you know, Jim Harbaugh has said that he thinks this wide receiver group could be the best he's had since he's gotten here. So I think they're going to have to throw the ball more, too. And that's not earth shattering. We've said that before. I don't think you can run the football more than they did last year. So, um, you know, not a lot of news at this point. No major injuries, which is probably a good sign. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of where they stand right now. 
what do you guys make of that uh the video that Mission Athletic Athletics posted on Twitter of, of JJ McCarthy throwing an absolute dime in slow motion to to Roman Wilson? That's a good question. You wonder why they put that stuff out there. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was a good play, and I, I hope that's not the best play offensively from camp. But if you go back a day or two later, they also posted a clip of DJ Turner making a play on a poorly thrown ball by DJ McCarthy. So it, I guess you're giving the take there, right? right. So That's I, the thing with all these clips is that, you know, a great, you know, completion means poor defense and vice versa. So, uh, you know, it's like, what do you cheer for during the spring game? But yeah, I mean, it's same, you know, they put out these clips, but they're not random. I mean, they, they, they're filming everything and they choose what they put out there. Um, but I don't think there's someone, you know, in the, in the program trying to sabotage McNamara's chances of starting, you know, by putting that out, I think they know, you know, who the fans like, and, um, you know, they're going to put out a lot of content from the quarterback. I'm sure there'll be something from Kate as there has been in the past, there will be something from him, you know, going, going forward. That might've just been one of the shots that they, they just got, you know, a real good video of, so who who knows, but, uh, it certainly did, didn't help to, uh, you know, quiet any of the, the controversy among fans. Yeah, no, and if I guess if K needs more uh, moment or he, he needs more, you know, motivation, I guess he's just yeah. got it, right? All right. Um, so I, yeah, I I think you're gonna. We've said this before. I think you're gonna see both guys play more this year. I think you're gonna see more of JJ. Um, and I think K will be the guy probably early on, and you know, Michigan will probably figure it out as they go on. But they got a real interesting quarterback situation this year. I, I you can honestly say this is probably the deepest and best quarterback room they've had under Jim Harbaugh. You, you can make the case maybe his first year, maybe maybe not so much. But, I mean, they really like Davis Warren. They got Alan Bowman, who's started a bunch of games in the, you know, the Big 12. So it's not like they're they're devoid of experience and talent. They got it. Uh, now it's just a matter of how they use, utilize it. So uh, we'll see. It's going to be a fascinating thing. I wish we could see practice. Um, obviously, we can't. It, it sounds like reps are pretty much being split. Uh, and that's kind of how Jim said it was going to start 50, 50, each guy was going to basically get the same amount of reps. Now that'll, he said, that'll change obviously as things go along and they probably identify maybe who the better, you know, better equipped quarterback is. Um, but you know, until then it's the, uh, the Caden JJ show. Speaking of quarterbacks, quarterbacks, I think one of the most interesting things to me during our first availability was with Matt Weiss talking about his, his philosophy and, and, and his ability to recruit, um, coming from the NFL for the since 2009, he was like basically, look, I thought I could, we can establish a, a pretty strong offense here and, and, and an enticing offense that players want to play at, at, with. And then and he's like, oh, but it's also a relationship building thing too. And he's kind of learning how how important relationships are on the recruiting trail. So I mean, it's it's nice for him to be honest. There, I'm kind of surprised how how blunt he was about it and, and how he's he's working towards building relationships and what they're looking for. In, in quarterbacks and recruits, but I mean, obviously he's been uh, the subject of a lot of criticism here this off season after mission missed out on, on CJ Carr and, and Dante Moore. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. And uh, he's yeah, I mean, until mission lands uh, their next quarterback recruit, I'm sure he's still going to be a hot button topic on the recruiting trail for fans. Yeah. I thought his comments were real, real illuminating, uh, but th- they're honest too, you know, uh-huh. like, I think a lot of these younger guys who go from the NFL to the college game are kind of shell-shocked at the work that goes into recruiting. It's not just showing up and winning games and and the like. He, and he made the point. He's like, in the NFL, a free agent, well, you know, the money is usually similar in terms of offers, but a, a guy tends to gravitate toward the team that maybe will best use, you know, utilize him or the offense he wants to play in. 
And I think that was Matt's assumption that would be the case at Michigan. And that's not so much. You know, he joked that, you know, he's got to play Fortnite with players at two in the morning. And obviously, I was probably a little, little you know, extravagant. But like, it, it's the point that high school kids want attention. They want to be, you know, pampered. They want to be showered with praise and everything else. And I think he's learning that, hey, like, I got to be a little bit better relationship standpoint. And I, I think to some extent, Mike McDowell learned that too last year. He was only at Michigan for a year. Um, he wasn't, I, I don't think he enjoyed the recruiting process a ton. And, and, and it was kind of reflected in some of the guys that they got. I think you saw George Hilo and other guys that were kind of taking the lead when it, come, when it came to recruiting. But it goes back to my original point. NFL guys aren't used to doing that. It's a lot of work and it, it takes a different type of uh, person and, and work ethic to do it and, and vice versa. I mean, I can't tell you guys how many times if not just football, but basketball, how many times you hear, you know, uh, and, or, you know, professional coaches say, I don't want to go back to college and they cite the, uh, the recruiting aspect is, is a big reason why. So it's, it's a diff- different beast. You got to learn. I think he's learning on the job and learning on the fly. And, you know, it is what it is. I, I think if, if Jim Harbaugh is happy with the job Matt's doing just from an X's and O's and consult perspective and anything else, obviously he's a new co-offensive coordinator. So he's got more, more of his hands on the offense. I, I think the recruiting itself will, you know, play itself out and it'll, he'll, it'll improve after at, at some point. We had uh, one piece of news kind of coming out today about television rights deals for for Big Ten sports, including football, that ESPN won't be carrying uh, any more Big Ten games starting that's next year now, right? They, they still have their deal for this year, but it's with the 23-24 academic year, which is is a big deal. I mean, I think it's a big deal because like ESPN is still where you think of for sports, you know, like if you don't, you just want to put on a game, just put on ESPN, you know, because you might put on CBS and depending on the time, even on a Saturday or NBC or Fox, like there might not be a game on or, you know, you just have, you just don't, you just don't know. Like, so uh, I, I think, I think it hurts in a way to not have that relationship anymore. And it'll be interesting how it affects certain games that we've seen in the past because the, the, the networks do have, uh, you know, a seat at the table in those discussions. But um, yeah, it looks like, you know, CBS, NBC and Fox will have the majority of games. And I know, you know fans complain most about Fox just because of the, the long commercial breaks uh, during football games. Yeah, I was wondering your guys take on this. John Urand of Sports Business Journal, he dominates sports TV you know, news uh, reporting. He does a fantastic job. He reported last night that, yeah, the Big Ten is. Uh, closing in a deal that's expected to be done here in the next couple of weeks. I know we've been hearing that for, it seems like months now, that the Big Ten is closing in on new deals. Uh, but it sounds like Fox is going to keep the A package, which essentially is going to be the noon marquee game every weekend. And then CBS and NBC will kind of split the, the the second game. So mm-hmm. CBS will have the 3.30 p.m. Eastern time slot, and then NBC will have the prime time at 7, 8 o'clock, whatever. Um, so th- those will be the three big games will be on those networks. And then obviously FS1 and Big Ten Network will, will also carry games. Um, but yeah, it's it's a change. It's, it's a definite change. I mean, you're used to seeing Big Ten games on ESPN, ESPN2, ABC at night. Um, that If, in fact, this deal goes through, you're not going to see it. You know, and I, I wonder what that is going to do to the consumer, you know, consumer behavior. Like you said, I mean, people are, are used to flipping on ESPN, whether it's at, you know, you're at the bar or you're at home with, you know, parties or whatever, and it's not going to be there. Now, the, the, from a, uh, you know, perspective of it kind of reaching households across yeah. the nation, it's not going to be a problem. I mean, you're, you're on all these basic TV networks um, It in a way that deals very similar to what, um, you know, the NFL has right now. The NFL is on every major, you know, linear network, ABC, or I mean, Fox, um, CBS and NBC, and then obviously NFL Network and ESPN and everything else. But 
Um, you know, I think it maximizes their audience. The Big Ten clearly wants the Los Angeles market. It's going to get there, obviously, and they're going to probably get the Big Ten network in there as well. So I think it's it's probably a net positive for the Big Ten. They're they're expected to collect over a billion dollars here. Some reports have it going up upwards of one point five billion. So we'll see. Um, you know, I think it's a fascinating thing. It's going to have a lot of folks talking, and it's going to have a lot of folks confused. Probably the first year they're used to flipping on, uh, you know, ESPN or ABC. And at the same token, they're going to have to kind of look around and say, "Hey, where's the game at this week? Or what channel's the game on this week?" Because they're they're not used to it. So Rutgers, Illinois, streaming on Amazon Prime, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They mentioned Peacock because they own XNBC owns Peacock, so they probably will stream on Peacock. I don't know about Amazon Prime. I think they were they were um, bidding for a deal. I don't know if they got one, but yeah, I mean, streaming will probably be a big part of it too. Well, the Wolverine Confidential podcast remains available wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. We do not have an exclusive deal. We want as many listeners as possible, uh, and we appreciate you listening to this episode. And stay tuned for continued coverage on MLive.com/slash Wolverines. Thank you.